There are so many people that are excited about our new vision. Hope changes everything. And the Bible tells us to hold on to that hope. Not necessarily our vision, but, but that true hope that Christ can change things, anything and everything we face by his power. Look with me into God's word to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at this hope and how it says to hold on to it. The Hebrews writer says this. Let us hold on tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I have good news based on that passage. Not only can we hold on to the hope that we have a future Christ, but here's the reality. That day is drawing near. Every day that goes by, we are closer to spending eternity with Jesus. Every day that goes by and this world becomes darker, uh, the Bible is telling us to hold on to that hope that we have with him. I pray that you're looking forward to that hope. I, I pray that you're personally prepared to spend eternity with Jesus because you've claimed him as your Lord and Savior. And, and I challenge you to share that hope with others. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter. It's a great challenge for us uh, to, to share that hope, to be ready to give an answer. Here's what he says. Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Here's the amazing factor, one of the amazing factors of this COVID crisis that we went through. People want to know why we're not overwhelmed. People want to know why we have joy in, in a very dark moment. They're asking, uh, where does this hope come from? And the Bible here is saying, be ready to give an answer. But do it with gentleness and respect. Don't do it like, well, you should know. Be ready to tell them about Jesus. Here's the truth. Uh, explain to them that, that God loved them enough that he sent his one and only son to die so that we might live. That no matter what we face, he would never leave us or forsake us. That our sin can not only be uh, covered over, but it is actually removed by his blood. That's the hope we have in Christ. And that's the hope we're to, we're to share with the world. And, and be prepared to share that. Hold on to it. You may have not heard this for a long time or ever. And this is good news. God loves you. No matter where you're at today, whether you're going to join us on site in the parking lot or online or on the radio, God loves you. He loves your family. He loves your enemies. He loves black people. He loves white people. He loves everyone in the world. And that is what we need to proclaim. And we need to share that hope. What do we do in response to that great love that he would even give his son? Our mission uh, responds to that love. His it, it, it first response is to love God because he first loved us. We're to also love people, all people, and, and we're to serve all. That, that is our mission. Love God, love people, serve all. Last week, we unpacked a tremendously important value, and this value is this, that we value all people. How have you been doing at valuing others? Well, what did you do this week that, that showed someone that they had value in your eyes, that you saw their potential? Remember last week we looked in the life of Jesus to Mark chapter 5, and, and there were three main principles that we saw that we could live out following Jesus that valued others. The first is this. We value people by looking at God's miraculous power, not their mess. So often we look at this mess that seems out of, out of our control, beyond our ability, and we, we don't step in. We need to trust that God has the power to do that. Secondly, we can value others by sharing the hope of Jesus with them and not wait for someone else to do it. 
Honestly, too often people think, well, that's the pastor's job. Surely my neighbor will invite them. No, you step up and share with them the hope of Jesus. Thirdly, we value others by focusing on their potential, not their problems. It is human nature to point out problems in other people. Don't don't get focused on their problems, but, but focus on their potential. Let someone know, I see your potential. Who did you do that for this week? It is such a blessing to be encouraged by someone else acknowledging you have value, you have potential. I thank uh, so many of you for saying uh, thank you to me. Uh, The reason that I'm able to share God's word in in any way that I can is not only the Holy Spirit lives in me, but you are praying for me, you're encouraging me, and that inspires me often to to push forward, to to stay focused on God's word. There is such a a value in, in, in encouraging one another. Right now I want to say thank you to the elders for praying for me and for, for, for praying for the entire church. Currently, we're meeting once a week, usually on Wednesdays, and we pray. We pray for you. We make plans to regather. We study God's word. But I think as much as anything, there is power in prayer. So keep, keep focusing on Pray for one another. Thank you, elders, for being a group of men that pray so well. Also, I want to say thank you to Daly. She has been an encourager to to me this week. We have this routine. uh, As I put her to bed at night, um, we read a book. I I sing, Jesus loves me. And then then I pray and then I tuck her in and and she goes to bed. This week, right after I read the book and sang, Jesus loves me, she looked me right in the eyes and said, Dad, you know what? You're not that bad of a singer. And she gave me a big kiss. And I was like, wow, Daly, thank you for the encouragement. Um, I, I, it just made me smile, and then we, I, I prayed, and, and, and she went to sleep. And what, what, what a joy it is when, when young people, when people in your relationship uh, build you up. This week, I also tried to build her up. I encouraged her this week on something I noticed that she had grown in. She had been intimidated and fearful of bugs and animals uh, at a very young age. We don't know exactly where that extreme fear came from, but when we first moved to Greenville, we were living out of the lodge, and there would be a cricket down the hallway, and she would see that thing, and she would run in fear and not want to go into that space for hours after seeing just a a small, uh, some type of insect. But over the summer, the boys have modeled her that, that you can appropriately handle insects and animals. She has been catching bugs, uh, fish, worms, salamanders. This week, the new thing is crawfish. The boys have been catching a lot of crawfish, and they have taught her how to to pick them up properly. And with her bare hand, she will get behind a crawfish and pick it up and and, uh, handle it like it's no big deal. When I first witnessed her doing this, I just encouraged her. I was like, wow, Daly, you're, you're a great at that. I can't believe how, how brave you are. And she's like, oh, it's no big deal. The boys taught me how to manhandle these. Don't miss this. Through instruction and encouragement, my little girl was able to manhandle what was once intimidating to her. Who can you instruct and encourage and increase their ability to overcome their fears and challenges? That's what we're to do as Christians. We're to look for ways to to, to love and to offer good deeds, to encourage one another. That's what the Scripture in Hebrews is talking about. I want to say thank you to a a special person who stepped up to help one of my friends. Last week I talked to you about Josh and how Josh was in lockdown in his group home here in Greenville, and his cell phone was disabled uh, for a number of reasons. And, and there's a, a gentleman in our church says, I want to make sure this is good. And Josh is reconnected, and I believe he may even get a new cell phone. We're, we're moving towards that direction. So thank you for letting someone see the value they have in your eyes and stepping up to help. I need your help with another uh, person who, who needs to be valued. 
Larry Miller is a good friend of mine. Larry Miller lives in a different group home right here in Greenville, and you see him around town. Many of you know Larry. He's often here on Wednesday nights, and uh, man, he's he's an encourager. He, he loves people. Larry's uh, birthday is June 16th, and uh, Larry has been affected greatly by the lockdown in his group home. He can't get out and ride his bike or go to work or come to church. He has not seen many of you for months. And his birthday is June 16th. So I challenge you to, to bring to church between now and June 16th a birthday card, uh, some package cookies. He cannot have homemade cookies in his group home or maybe a can of Coke. Those are some of his favorite things. And I will kind of ration those out to him. But I want you to know we have a great opportunity to love on and encourage Larry. Maybe you don't know Larry, but you know someone else like him that, that needs encouragement today. Step up and, and love them and let them know they're valued. In that... We're like Jesus. We, we, we build the body of Christ up. And in that, we live out our next value. And here it is. We value being relevant. Now, this value statement is probably the most uh, needed for explanation. It, it is something that, if misunderstood or inappropriately lived out, is dangerous for the church. It's dangerous for you as a Christian. When, when all we try to do is be relevant in the world, and we equate that to trendiness, like hashtags and, and maybe uh, uh, a cool dress or, or the right car, that you miss the point of being relevant for the sake of Christ. Relevancy is important, but too much of the time, it's just uh, about uh, having a, an appropriate style or slick marketing. Uh, many people believe it's based on a hashtag or, or, or the appropriate haircut in today's worship culture or church culture. They believe that relevancy can be obtained through things that we can put on ourselves but it's more about the heart, I believe, what we see in Scripture. While those things can be important to connect with people, it's not about being trendy. Please hear me say that. Our desire to share the hope of Jesus Christ isn't about us becoming the most trendy place, but it's about having people that have their, lights, their hearts and lives transformed to share with others. To, to point to, this is what Jesus has done in my life. Relevant literally means this. Here's this definition. Closely connected or appropriate to the matter at hand. Pertinent, related, needed. For the church, for you as a Christian, the matter at hand, what's, what's pertinent, what's needed, is the hope of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is the most pertinent thing that's ever come into this world. Let me be clear. The most relevant thing the world needs is the love and grace of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more relevant than the gospel. That Jesus uh, was willing to lay down his life, to take on our sins, to conquer both sin and death so that we could live. There's nothing more relevant than that. If you have one thing that you have a chance to share with anyone you come into contact, it has to be, if there's only one thing, that Jesus loves them. Some people think it would be easy for Jesus to be relevant, but it wasn't. If you look back to the text, we were in Mark chapter 5 last week, and he was relevant. People were crowding around him. But then in chapter 6, he goes to his hometown, and people reject him. There begins to be chaos in Jesus' life. The next section in Mark chapter 6, he gets more dark, more chaotic. The cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, who, who was pointing people to Jesus, who was saying, repent and be baptized, join the kingdom of God, follow Christ, is unjustly beheaded. John the Baptist, make no mistake, was murdered at the hand of a, a man with power that, that he shouldn't have had probably, but the world had, had given it to him. 
And he was murdered. And Jesus moved forward by, by loving others. Man, I pray that you see how that, that connects to this world. There is going to be tragic things in this world, but Jesus, when his own cousin was murdered unjustly, uh, continues to be compassionate and share good news with others. I want, I want to challenge you to do that. In this world, in our culture right now, there has been a black man uh, in a very prominent situation who was murdered unjustly, and we should be angry about that. I am angered by that. But we need to continue to live out love. We, we need to stand up against injustice, but follow the example of Jesus in a time of chaos and crisis to be relevant by loving others. Look, look to the text, to John chapter 6, verse 30. His cousin had just been murdered. Look at what it says the apostles did. The apostle gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and talked. So they gathered back around. They were meet, regrouping. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So there's chaos going on. Uh, he's rejecting his hometown. His cousin had just been murdered. The, the apostle says, here's really what's going on. Busy, busy, busy. And even in that moment, there, there's so much going on, they don't even have time to eat. It's a crazy time. It's chaotic. So they climb into the boat. And they go off to a safe place, a place where they, they think there's going to be a retreat. But even before he gets to the, the sea, the people show up with a great need. It's an inconvenient time. Look at verse 34. It says, When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Be relevant by having compassion on the vulnerable. So what does Jesus do when he sees the crowd? When he's ready to rest and get something to eat, the Bible says he has compassion for them. He cares more about what's going on in their life than even his own wants. He sees them, the Bible says, as a sheep without a shepherd. They have no one to lead them. They, they have no one to give them nourishment. They have no one to comfort them. Do you know what a sheep without a shepherd are? They're really a meal for the wolves. Jesus looks at these people and says, I want to step in and I care about you and I want to meet your needs. That's what a Christian does as we follow Christ. That's what will really make us relevant. Not by having the coolest program, not by having the, the best lights or the sound system, but it is having compassion for people. Please, I'm asking you, our vision is to be relevant. And it's not about being trendy, it's about being compassionate for people. Who do you know right now that needs compassion, that feels hopeless? Jesus cared for those that were down and out, that were terminally ill, uh, the most vulnerable, the hopeless. Who do you know that needs the hope of Jesus? And give them compassion. Compassion literally means this, that you have sympathy or deep sorrow for their misfortune, for what was wronged uh, in their life. You, you have sympathy for their position, for, for them being vulnerable, and then you're ready to act on it. Compassion is an intense feeling or emotion because something is wrong, something needs to be fixed. What's the opposite of compassion? It's indifference. It's apathy. It's not caring. It's being disconnected. It's feeling zero emotion like this does not affect me. And Jesus says when someone is hurting, we're going to show compassion. Have you been holding back compassion for someone in your life? Maybe it's someone with cancer. Maybe it's another great concern. Maybe they're in a crisis. God is leading us to be compassionate people. Christ's heart broke for these people, and he stepped up to be their shepherd because they were hurting. Let's be honest right now. The people that are most hurt, 
the people that have the most hopelessness as an, as an entire group uh, has come because of injustice and hatred and racism. Specifically, uh, the killing of a black man has led our nation to be divided, and the question is what we should do. I don't have all the answers. But as we follow Jesus, when we see an entire a group of people that Jesus loves very much, and specifically our black brothers and sisters, when we see them hurting, let's start with compassion. Be relevant by having compassion on the vulnerable. So many people of color right now are, are devalued. They're, they're being discriminated against, uh, and it needs to stop. It's not enough just to say we care. To be relevant, we must be ready to show compassion and to meet their needs. That's what Jesus did. Here's the second thing I see in this text. Be relevant by meeting the needs of others. Look back to the text in Mark chapter 6, verse 35. Here's what the Word of God says. By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came, came to Jesus. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away. They can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. The, the disciples are very worried. How are we going to feed all these people? But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. It's a whole idea. You step up. Don't wait for them to take care of themselves. You step up uh, and, and see that they have a need and meet it. They said to him, that would take eight months wages. Are we to go and spend that much bread to give them something to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people set down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls a broken piece of bread and fish. The number of men who ate had eaten was 5,000. Some of you may be thinking, but what's in my hand isn't enough to make a difference. Man, don't, don't miss this part of the story. There, there were uh, five pieces of bread and two fish, and they were all satisfied. That is the power of Jesus to multiply. God multiplied, God supplied what was more than enough. Start by seeing the need and then offering to meet that need by what you have. I love the end of the story. At the end of the story, there are 12 basketfuls full of leftovers. I think uh, 12 to represent not only the needs of the 12 disciples as they kept moving, but to make a point, guys, you all doubted what was going on, and I can meet your need when you don't even understand how. Listen, a relevant church is a church that believes God has the ability to multiply to meet needs, to provide exactly what is wanted. And then, when the needs are met, God receives the glory. Please understand this. This is a big, uh, relevant footnote to what's going on in this passage and what's here today. If you have the vision, if your big desire is and vision is to just ask God to get us back into the church building so we can fill the pews, your vision is not as big as God's. God is ready to multiply. God wants to use you and, and the little you have, the, the, the great amount you have, to, to be multiplied and to share the hope of Jesus with, uh, with many that you come in contact with. God wants to, to blow our church up in a sense that there's not enough seats in, in two or three services a week to, to have the people that are coming to Him. 
That He wants to multiply us on the internet and on the radio and maybe multi-site someday. God's vision is to multiply. It always has and always will be. And a church that is relevant by having compassion and then meeting a need through God's power will grow. And I'm excited about that. I hope you can tell. Be relevant by having compassion on others and meeting their needs. One of the greatest needs of our nation right now is prayer. I realize there are reasons to protest, but I propose to you this week on Monday night at 7 p.m. at the courthouse right here in Greenville that we gather together to pray for our nation. I invite all churches, all pastors, anyone who believes in the power of prayer to join me in prayer. The elders are going to be there. Some of the deacons will be there, I'm sure. Uh, You are welcome. And we are going to pray that racism and injustice would be exposed and eliminated in our nation. The heart of God is for injustice to be done away with. So let's use this hashtag, hashtag pray for justice. And we're going to pray that in that justice, when it comes to our nation, when people are treated properly, we will have peace. Isaiah 1 says this, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. All throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about God's heart being for the orphan, the immigrant, the widow, for the vulnerable. So whoever is most vulnerable, whoever's been abused or neglected or put down, that's who we need to lift up in prayer. So will you join me in that? And we will be relevant, not for the sake of being cool or trendy, but but doing what God tells us to do all throughout the Bible. Let's finish this passage by looking at the end of chapter 6 and how Jesus was relevant by touching people's lives. Here's what it says in verse 53. When they had crossed over, they had landed at Gesinnerat and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. I mean, he's relevant here. People are running towards him. Look what it says. They ran through the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into the villages, towns, and countryside, they placed sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Jesus was relevant because he touched people's lives. Literally, uh, spiritually, physically, he spent time with them. He allowed them to be around him. That is a touch that people long for today. They hunger for Jesus. And and the, the greatest way I know for the world to have a touch of Jesus right now is through you, the church. We are the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, alive and active in you, uh, through compassion and meeting needs, will feel the touch of Jesus. Touch someone's life today. It will change their life. In Matthew chapter 9, here's what the Word of God says. It's a parallel passage to Mark 6. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were a hopeless people, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus telling you today, there are thousands and millions of people that are hopeless and need Jesus, that need the the good news of the gospel. And it's our job to, to be compassionate, to meet that need, to touch their lives and then evangelize them, to tell them about Jesus. I heard a quote from a pastor this week that really struck me. He says this, and I quote, The church does not that does not evangelize and will, will fossilize. The church that does not evangelize will fossilize. If we are not relevant, we will die. And relevancy is not found in lights and smoke and the, the, the loudest sound system. It is found in the good news of Jesus. Be relevant by having compassion, meeting needs, and touching lives. There is a world of chaos out there. 
There's a world where people are being murdered unjustly, where people are starving, where people are dying without the hope of Jesus. What are you going to do about it? Have compassion on that person. Meet their needs and let them be a part of your life. When you see the crowds of people around you, when you pass by any situation, does your heart go out to them thinking that they may be headed to hell without Jesus? Do you know that roughly 80,000 people die every day going to hell because they do not know Jesus Christ? It's time the church step up and become more relevant than ever. That we multiply and not just sit back in our pews because we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. And we're pointing to the hope that changes everything. Do you know that hope? Maybe you're listening today and you're like, man, I, I, I want to know more about Jesus. If he's a guy that promotes justice, if he's a, a, one, a man that loved the down and out, if, if he died for me, I'm ready to follow him. I want you to take that next step. Give me a call this week. Uh, send me an email. And we'll take that next step together. And from that day, when you claim Jesus as your Savior, you can celebrate. We're going to sing this next song. It says, from this day, if you believe in that, I pray that you celebrate. If you need to make today the day that you accept Jesus as your Savior so you can celebrate, so you can have joy, so you can have hope, man, do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time of studying your word and modeling after Jesus. Let us be relevant for the sake of your kingdom. I pray that if someone today needs to take a step to follow Christ, that they do that. In Jesus' name, amen.